shotglassdigital.com. Rebel Force Radio's Star Wars Oxygen is brought to you by Little Debbie Snacks and their new Cosmic Cupcakes. Rebel Force Radio presents Star Wars Oxygen. The music of John Williams. Red 5, I'm going in. Like Star Wars itself, the music in the film defied conventional wisdom. At a time when disco was burning up the charts, having a traditional symphonic soundtrack was another huge risk on Lucas's part. He really understood the genre that I was talking about. It's a group of composers that weren't that well looked upon in the 70s. There was a different attitude toward the old-fashioned symphonic and the scores. And I had a lot of music in the movie. Hey, Star Wars fans, Jimmy Mack here with you, and welcome back to Star Wars Oxygen, Rebel Force Radio's monthly look, well, almost monthly look. We tend to skip a week here or there, but uh, with so much action happening in the Star Wars universe each and every week, sometimes we can't get to all the things that we love, but one of the things we really love doing is talking about the music of John Williams, as heard in all six films of the Star Wars saga. And that's what Star Wars Oxygen is all about. And this show wouldn't be possible if we didn't have, sitting alongside myself here at Rebel Force Radio headquarters, Mr. David Collins. Hey, Jimmy Mack, and hey, Star Wars fans and music aficionados. So glad to be back here for Volume 6 of Star Wars Oxygen, the music of John Williams. As Jimmy said, we've had quite a busy week in the Star Wars fandom universe with uh, all of the Episode 7 announcements, The Rebels, May the 4th, you you name it. So glad to be here. Really looking forward to this show. There's been so much great Star Wars stuff happening that it really, I think, inspired us all to uh, to dig a little deeper into uh, into our Star Wars fandom. And for me, that meant diving deeper into The Empire Strikes Back. Last month, we started off with The Empire Strikes Back talking about John Williams' preparation of the score and everything that he went through in trying to write it under such tight deadlines. The orchestration, the recording, we played a lot of clips from that uh, documentary that that was unearthed and uh, really enjoyed that. And we even had some time to get into some of the themes. We touched on the Han and Leia theme, and we touched, of course, on the Imperial March, which is how we ended the show. And uh, we might as well just dive right in and pick it up from there. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more left to be revealed about one of the most iconic pieces of music, not only in the Star Wars films, but in the history of cinema. I mean, it has just become such a, a, a iconic and, and powerful piece of film music. You hear it everywhere you go. You, you hear it on television. You hear marching bands play it at football games. There's just no escaping the Imperial March. That's right. That's right. And, and in fact, Jimmy, I wanted to let you know that the infamous music spreadsheet tracker is back for this episode. Yes. Um, and this does tie into the Imperial March. I'll explain in a second. But for those fans that uh, may remember, during episode four, I actually started tracking every time a theme was played in the movie, a leitmotif or a motive. John Williams writing a piece of music or a musical phrase or melody to represent a character or a location or a situation. Well, for episode four, A New Hope, 
the theme that was used the most, if you remember, was the Force theme uh, mm-hmm. at the time called Obi-Wan Kenobi's theme. That was used a total of, here, I'll tell you right now, I'm looking it up. That was used 19 times in A New Hope. And um, now that we're looking at episode five, The Empire Strikes Back, you can probably guess that the Imperial March is the most used theme throughout that entire movie. Do you want to guess how many times we hear the Imperial March in The Empire Strikes Back? Wow. Okay. Well, if the Kenobi theme was played 19 times in A New Hope, and that's considerable. It seems like you're hearing that constantly through A New Hope. Yet, I also know that you hear the Imperial March an awful lot through Empire. So I think that number is somewhere similar. So I'm going to say I'll do one better than Kenobi. I will give the Empire 20 times in Empire Strikes Back. 20 times. Well, take that number. Take that number, double it, and add one. And that's how many times the Imperial March is used. in the Empire. Yes, 41 times by my count. And again, to explain my count... I don't I don't count it again every time the melody is played. For example, the actual Imperial March cue that's on the soundtrack, I count as one instance because that's mm-hmm. just the theme, right? If they state it twice in a row, I don't count it twice. The theme has to be stated and a little bit of music, other music has to pass by and then it has to re-enter again for something that, that Williams is trying to hit in the movie. And by that count, it's used 41 times, just an enormous amount of Imperial March throughout Empire. Yeah, it's amazing, right? It is amazing because it gets played so many times, yet it doesn't get old when you're watching the film. It doesn't get old, and I think that part of that was something that they were trying to carefully monitor because another thing that I have learned in studying Empire and really kind of documenting all of the appearances of this theme, and by the way, I'm using the soundtrack and watching the movie in parallel um, I've got sort of a, a quick time of the Laserdisc version, right? From the 2006 uh, DVD on disc two, they had the old Laserdisc version, you know, the original. Yep. Um, there is a lot of music on the soundtrack that is not in the movie. And so I went through and was able to kind of document all of the versions of the theme that were cut from the movie. And of the 41 themes, there are actually, uh, excuse me, eight statements of the Imperial March that were cut from the movie, but they were recorded for the movie. And sometimes, you know, you're, you've got Han and Leia, you know, in the asteroid field or, or in, uh, you know, inside the, the cave that they don't realize is, you know, as a space slug. And then you've got Luke over in Dagobah. And every time you're cutting back to the executor, you hear, bum, 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 you know, you, you hear the theme again, right? Um, mm-hmm. Every, a few of those they decided to cut, and they cut a lot of music from Hoth. We don't have time to get into all the cut music, but I guarantee you, and I promise you, we will get into a lot of the cut music that they decided not to include in the final film in a later show. But before we wrap on the Imperial March, besides it being the most heavily used theme in the movie, by far, I mean, it doubles the appearance of any other theme, um, and I'll get into some statistics in a bit, but I wanted to play you a couple of cues because John Williams laces this theme. Sometimes he plays it in big, bombastic ways. Sometimes he plays it in very subtle ways. But if I was to ask you, Jimmy, what is the first theme that you can remember hearing in The Empire Strikes Back? What would that be? Hmm. The first theme. And not counting the, the main theme, right? Not Yeah, that's right. Not counting the main theme, right? Because that obviously is that that's in every movie. But but after the main theme, the first theme that you remember, you know, as the movie proper starts. I think 
it's when Luke Skywalker removes his goggles to reveal who is riding that Tauntaun is actually Luke. So you hear the, uh, the uh, main Star Wars theme play underneath that moment. That's right. That's right. And that's, that is exactly what I thought too. And that's probably the most obvious answer. But technically, and this blew me away because I didn't realize it until I read it in some liner notes from the special edition Empire soundtrack, the first theme that you hear after the crawl is the Imperial March. And it's so subtle. But once you hear it, you won't ever be able to unhear it. Let me just play for you this moment, this musical moment, right after the opening crawl, right as it, as it starts to pan towards the Star Destroyer that's about to launch those, I believe, eight probes, right, uh, in that shot, you hear this piece of music. Let's take a listen. Did you hear any Imperial March in there? Mm. It's very subtle, but <laughs> yeah, let's sorry, play, I mean, we'll play you just it again. Played it. I don't want to make it seem like I wasn't listening, but because I was listening. Okay, I all just, right. So here's I, what. I, yeah, we've all heard that a million times, and everything. Every time I hear it, I hear the the horns going nuts. The whatever it does, you know, the horns are just kind of doing that phrase. If you listen at the very very top, there is a solo piccolo in a very very high range going. And I had to read that in the liner notes, and I didn't believe it. I read it in the liner notes saying that it was there, and I thought it was wrong. And then it said something about solo piccolo, and I went back and listened, and there it was. Let's take a listen to this again, and I'll point it out when it happens. Here it comes, right up here. Oh my God. Yeah. I totally heard it the second time you get mesmerized by the sound of those horns with that big stab, that bump, 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 bump. You lose that piccolo in the mix. And I clearly did hear once I knew to focus in on it. Yep. But it does, it does tend to get a little bit lost because of those horns. Yeah. But if somebody points it out to you, yeah, you clearly hear it. And I think it getting lost is intentional. I mean, he's not beating us over the head with it. I mean, the first real statement of the Imperial March is when the fleet, you see all the Star Destroyers and they reveal the massive size of Darth Vader's Star Destroyer, the Executor, or the Executor, excuse me. Uh, double meaning there, I suppose. But um, but yeah, the uh, the... The, the theme plays in a very subtle way, but John Williams literally begins and ends this movie with this theme, and it plays throughout. I'm going to play you one more cue. This is the end credits. The very, very end here is this big, triumphant brass fanfare. You've heard it cut into a million trailers for video games and, and uh, Clone Wars and all kinds of stuff. You know, it makes for a wonderful end to a trailer. I think it was probably used in a prequel trailer at some point. But if you listen to... Um, the horns go, and then the, the low brass goes, bum, ba-dum, bum. you know, it spells out the first four notes of that theme. And I will play it for you now and see if you can pick it out. It's subtle, but it's definitely there. There's the rebel fanfare. And here it comes. Listen to the low brass. Bum. 
Again, just saying it at the very beginning, the very end, and all in between, the Empire has struck back. Very good. That is awesome. Yeah, so it's there. It's always there reminding you that the Empire is really taking charge in this movie. And um, the numbers are pretty shocking. So we hear it 41 times. Looking at this, um, you hear Han and Leia's theme, which I believe is the second most Actually, no. Uh, you hear the main title, Luke's theme, 28 times throughout the movie. Ooh, that's a lot. Yeah, and you hear Han and Leia's theme 19 times. We talked about that theme last time, right? Yeah. Yeah, so. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You hear the Force theme about 14 times. Um, and you also hear Yoda's theme quite a bit, which we haven't talked about yet. No, we haven't, but... Uh... So how many times do you hear Yoda's theme? 18 times. 18 times for Yoda's theme. And it is very boldly stated when you hear it. You know, baseball fans have these mathematician wizards, guys like uh, Bill James, who are very well known for collecting the most obscure statistic you could possibly imagine. You are like the Bill James of Star Wars as far as your ability to collect all this crazy statistical information about the Star Wars soundtrack. So let me just <laughs> tell you that right now. This is information I've never heard before. I don't think anyone's ever researched this stuff before. It's fascinating when you look at it by the numbers, right? I mean, the numbers don't tell the full, complete story, right? Because, I mean, sometimes the theme is just barely stated for uh, a picture, a reason for what's going on visually. Sometimes it's stated, I count it once, and it's stated for five minutes, you know? So they don't tell the entire story, but they do talk about sort of the balance of power in the movie a little bit, I think. I do think that that is a, is a revealing statistic. Um, there are some, some moments that Yoda's theme is so super subtle, and there are moments where it's bombastic and huge. Why don't I just play a little bit of Yoda's theme just to get it fresh in everyone's ears? I'm going to play a little bit of this. This is just one of the most lyrical, gorgeous themes The Empire Strikes Back has. And I feel like it really is a countermeasure to the darkness of the cadence of the Imperial March. Let's check this out. Here it comes. The main theme is right here. Now, of course, this is from the, the concert suite on the soundtrack. This actually, it doesn't quite appear in the movie this way, but um, this is one of those concert pieces that John Williams would include on the soundtrack that we've talked about. Um, but it's just gorgeous. Yeah, that is a great piece of music. Just yeah. a great piece of me. And another indication that this could be perhaps some of John Williams' most inspired work of his entire career. When you think about the impact all these themes have, you know, it's hard to compare Empire to the original Star Wars soundtrack. But I really think that this is really one of his most complete works on a whole for a single film. Yeah, I mean, it goes all over the map. It's got 
tremendous evil and tremendous beauty, right? It's the versatility and diversity of, I, I think that means the same thing, of his work <laughs> though in Empire. I mean, all these amazing themes that he brings, and they're also just individually different from the previous theme. Yes. It's versatility, it's creativity, and it's a sign of, you know, the true maestro that he is. And maybe he was just that inspired by the story itself. Yeah. And can I tell you something, too? What I just love about John Williams' choices here is that if you look at the movie visually, the music plays almost against what you're seeing visually. Dagobah is a very bleak, dark, disgusting, muddy, swampy, ugly, scary place. And yet you have this incredibly gorgeous, soaring, beautiful music that plays during the Dagobah sequence to take you emotionally to a very different place than the place that you're seeing. Suddenly it paints Dagobah as a magical, safe place. And that's not what you get when Luke first crashes there, obviously. But because of Yoda, you get that. It, you know, And, and um, on the flip side, Cloud City is a gorgeous place, right? But it's very dangerous, it's, and it's filled with evil and, and a trap and double cross. And we'll get into all of that. Cloud City is a whole other episode, right? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit today with, with Yoda's theme, but I just want to play you a little bit of Yoda's theme from Dagobah. This is probably where it's stated the most clearly in, in the movie. And this is, that, of course, that wonderful moment where he says, do or do not, there is no try. Luke fails to get the X-Wing out of the swamp, and this is the first time you really see what the Force can do. We had never seen until this point someone lift an object that big, and that's when you really understand that this Force thing is is incredibly powerful, right? So you have this mystery music of, of Yoda. He's going to make an attempt to lift this, right? And uh, he closes his eyes and... Um, and just lifts up his hand here and something magical happens. Let's take a listen. I'm convinced that this is why people love Yoda because he's just got this, just this gorgeous theme. You know, he's magic. He's pure magic. Yeah. And it's very romantic sounding too. Yes. Yes. And you know, what's funny is that this theme carries through the movie. You hear it a lot on Dagobah, obviously, but you hear it in a really unexpected way on Cloud City. When Luke arrives in Cloud City, um, you hear Luke's theme, you know, it, it flies in, uh, you know, just in a very sort of grandiose way here, I'll give it to you. Right. So Luke's flying in, right. And, uh, you hear his theme stated very clearly in the low brass here with trombones because Luke is now to the rescue. He's decided to leave Dagobah and, uh, rescue his friends. Right. So 
That's a really obvious choice there. But once Boba Fett starts shooting at Luke, um, you hear this. Check this out, and we'll talk about it. Kind of an interesting choice, right? I mean, this is using Yoda's theme as action, as an action cue, and uh, lacing it in with clearly very busy action music, and then it's a trap. No, Luke, turn back. Here we go. It's a curious move from Williams. So uh, why is he using Yoda's theme in that particular instance? I, obviously, Yoda is not there on Cloud City. Is it because maybe this is a time when Luke should be first implementing the teachings Yoda gave him? This is his first this is his first foray into the the universe uh, following his stay at Dagobah. So Maybe it's supposed to be a callback to some of the teachings Yoda laid on him before he goes out into the big universe. Uh, Boy, I'm trying to find a connection here. No, I I actually think you hit it squarely on the head. That's exactly what I think that John Williams is trying to do here. He's trying to introduce us to a reinforced, leveled-up Luke Skywalker. This is a trained Luke that is now not the same man. He he left Dagobah, and uh, of course he left prematurely, but... He is going to utilize every bit of training he received from Yoda and hopefully save the day. And this music kind of reinforces that. And it's a great time to do it because, you know, this is before he meets up with Vader and has his lightsaber duel. And it's heroic and it's kind of a statement of a new changed Luke. What We're going to see exactly how effective this training from this little Yoda was, aren't we? We're really going to see it. Okay, he's here to save the day. You know, that's kind of what it, it seems like to me. I, I think you were exactly right. Yeah, as if passing along skills in the Force, knowledge of the Force, Yoda is passing that along to Luke. So now Luke takes a little bit of ownership of Yoda's theme in that sense as far as John Williams is concerned, right. as far as the soundtrack is concerned, you're seeing Luke's first action post Dagobah. Right. So it's reflective of Yoda's theme, but amped up a little bit because it's also represent- representative of the fact that Luke is seeing some battle action at that moment. So here's where he's actually, like you said, I like how you say a leveled up Luke. Yeah. This is a Yodified Luke Skywalker, and he's here at Cloud City. Even though Yoda thought he wasn't quite ready yet, he still comes armed with a lot of the knowledge that Yoda had to pass on. Yeah. So much so that Vader was shocked and surprised. Obi-Wan taught you well. He keeps saying to him because he can't believe that Kenobi was able to train Luke in, in that sort of way in that amount of time. Yes, yes. It's almost like we as an audience get to instinctively, we don't even register it, right? But on a subconscious level, we say, let's see what this new Luke can do. You know, because this is the first time we saw him pull the lightsaber into his hand in the uh, 
in the Wampa Cave, right? But now mm-hmm. that he's really been trained by Yoda, this this could be where this is this could be the payoff we've been waiting to see. And of course, we know from the film that he doesn't quite succeed, right? But um, but there's this moment of excitement when he first arrives in Cloud City, and it's reinforced not with Luke's theme, but with Yoda's theme. And speaking of Luke's theme, there's something I wanted to to point out because this happens a lot in this movie, which is you know we know the Luke Skywalker theme, right? Right. We know yeah, that I just, theme. I just call that the main theme. Yeah. Even though, you know, I guess it is associated mostly with Luke. Well, in it a post prequel the whole saga, so in a post prequel world, it is the main title theme. It back in during the creation of the score, I would argue historically it was Luke's theme and, and it's referred to as Luke's theme by John Williams in, in the original soundtrack liner notes. Um, and you you clearly hear it when you're introduced to Luke, like you mentioned earlier in the show, when you see Luke show up on Hoth and you clearly recognize him, he gives you that theme. Now, here's what's really interesting is that they present this this theme in in a slightly different way in this movie. Now, we've heard it once already on this show. You know, we hear it in the normal way, right? But we talked uh, a few episodes ago about the difference between a major scale and a minor scale. So allow me to get technical here for a second, right? A major get technical with me. Oh, I set you up for that one. Boy, oh, I wa- you did. You I did. walked right into that one. Okay, so the 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 major scale, right, or major chords. I won't get too technical about it, but I'll just say that it has kind of a happy feeling to it, right? Um, right. So it's got this happy thing. If you drop. The third, it has this very dark feeling to it, right? That's like, you know, that piece by Strauss. Right? So that's, that's, this key, or this uh, theme is in a major key. John Williams does something really interesting in Empire. He actually presents us Luke's theme a lot in a minor key. He does this a lot. So you get this. You know, you get this kind of, you get a much darker sound in a minor key, right? So you hear it in a major key. Let me just play it for you in a major way during the movie here. This is presented in a very happy, warm way when Luke says goodbye to Han and Chewie. It's a very touching moment. Right, so that's kind of presented in a slow tempo, but it's very major and uplifting, right? It's meant to pull at your heartstrings. Well, let me play it for you once, presented in a minor key, so you can see kind of what it does to the mood. Here it is again on Dagobah. Building mystery, building mystery, right? Here it comes. So just by changing one note in the melody, it gives it a completely different feel. It goes from a major key to a minor key, right? And it becomes very morose. There's another example in the film where it's in a minor key. Let's check this out. 
Well, that's the force theme. Here it comes. So even the uplifting themes in this movie get darkened in Empire. Yeah. Yeah, providing the whole overall vibe, thus legitimizing the title of this show, John Williams' Star Wars Oxygen, is because of the fact that he does add that atmosphere, that level of atmosphere we can't see and that we get used to just by it simply being there. But uh, it's there, and it adds so much to the final film itself that it shouldn't be understated. Williams really does reinforce, and in many ways, or at least several instances, he will establish an overall vibe for what we are going to see on the screen. So it all works perfectly hand-in-hand together when you're watching the finished product. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, you're right. He gives you that layer that really emotionally enforces what it is that you're seeing. It tells you how to feel. And what's great about a second movie is that in a second movie, you can then build on what, you, what you've what you clearly established in the first. In the first movie, uh, the main title, Luke's theme, is glorious. It's the big, brassy London Symphony Orchestra. Here, you get it so many times where Luke is struggling. He's not quite passing the test, you know, in what what John Williams calls the magic tree, but we know it as the cave of evil, right? He's not quite learning what he should from from Yoda. You know, uh, if anytime he has a moment of struggle, you hear it in presented in a minor key, right? So you hear these themes presented, but um, not quite as you expect them. Um, the force theme we heard a little bit there too, and that is in this movie as well. And I think the force theme is is actually very appropriate. Uh, the way it's presented, because it already, you know, it's, we, we're talking about major and minor. The force theme is already in a minor key. Right. So right. that's pretty much presented like that. I mean, if you were to put it in a major key, it would sound <laughs> it would sound very different. Right. <laughs> right. How, how would I do that? Hold on. Let's see if I can do this. I don't know. I can't, you know. Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, just sound ridiculous, right? What do I do here? It sounds like a ridiculous, like, you know, <laughs> madrigal or something. You know, it sounds like, you know. <laughs> It's BBC Tea Time with Admiral Ozzel. That's right. Welcome to another episode of Star Wars Oxygen. Yeah, it just sounds ridiculous, right? So we hear it again a lot, the Force theme, you know. Um, I played it for you once there. Um, When's the first time in the film we actually hear the Force theme? I think it's it's when... I think it's when Obi Wan. You know what? I'll tell you right now. I've got a spreadsheet. Why am I? Why am I guessing I think, here? Well, let me take a guess. I think it's when Luke uses the Force to call the lightsaber into his hand while he's hanging upside down in the Wampa Cave. That is exactly right. That is That's exactly it. right. And you know what? Look, look. Uh, since you brought it up, we gotta we gotta steer course here and play that because 
There's another interesting fact <clears throat> that I need to tell you about this movie, and uh, I was going to save this for a later show, but since you brought that cue up, let me blow your mind a little bit. Now, we were talking about this actually in the main show a little while ago on, on uh, Rebel Force Radio about the electric guitar in episode two, that there's electric guitar in episode two. Yes. Would you believe, would you believe me if I told you that there is a very modern instrument in ep- episode five, The Empire Strikes Back? And would you know what it is? A very modern instrument. How about this? How about you You tell me which scene it's in, and maybe I can guess then. It's in more scenes than you realize, because it's in some very subtle, some very subtle ways. But I would say the most obvious scene that it's in is in uh, The Cave of Evil. Like, just clear as day, Cave of Evil. But because that scene is just so gut-wrenching and exciting, because you think, oh my gosh, it's Darth Vader, what is going on? You don't really notice it. It just adds to the eeriness of it. Uh, well, I'm just going to take a wild stab in the dark and say a theremin. It's, it's not a, quite a theremin, but it is a synthesizer, right? It's, it's, it's a, okay. a 1979, 1980, what was then a modern, modern day synth. And um, let me see if I can find this. Um, I'm actually going to go ahead and play the Cave of Evil, right? Um, but then I want to play, um, let's see, where is it here? Uh, powerful. If a theremin was ever used in the, any of the Star Wars soundtracks. Yeah, I don't know if it. I don't know if it was. Yeah, the, the theremin. I, I we got to find a. Uh, we have to find a, a recording of that, right? Um, but it is definitely there is definitely a synthesizer in here. So he's going into the cave of evil here, right? And he's looking around, and you're going to hear a synthesizer pretty clearly. There it is. He's, he's seen Vader. Right? Vader's appeared with his lightsaber. Now here it comes in a major way going, here you go. No, that's pretty crazy, right? I always thought that was a flute being treated somehow. I know, and when you listen to the soundtrack, it's really clear it's a synthesizer. It's really wow. clear. And it's actually in the orchestration notes, too, uh, if you check out the soundtrack. Um, it's definitely there. It's definitely a synthesizer. Um, who in here actually get treated to another minor version of Luke's theme or the main theme there. Wow. And that's the, the synth trailing there at the end. Uh, that might've actually been some feedback on the mic, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but well, you know, what's, what's interesting is that, uh, well, thank God John Williams didn't go in the direction of flock of seagulls and all the other 80s synth I'm thinking of right now, or maybe like some Herbie Hancock funk. No, I don't think that would fit in the Star Wars universe. Dare we hope that Episode 7 will see a giant, you know, iPad synth solo right in the middle of some big action sequence. <laughs> it's the logical next step, of course. But since you brought up the, the cave, right, there's actually a little bit of synthesizer in the cave, um, but it's very, very subtle. I don't even know. We could play it if you want. Um, want to see if I can find it here? Sure, sure. I think it's interesting that John Williams decided to call this track 
the magic tree. It seems so John Williams-esque. <laughs> Let's all go off to the magic tree. But, you know, like you said, most of us fans, and I think a lot of our guys on the Star Wars production team refer to it as the Cave of Evil. Well, we but know John it. Williams, it's a magic tree. Well, what else are you going to call it after? You, I mean, he probably just had that written down somewhere after one or two viewings. Oh, we got to do something about that magic tree area there. I mean, it was still new. <laughs> he hadn't even... We've seen the movie so many times, but he was like, well, there's this magic tree in the middle and uh, we got to write something for that, you know? Doesn't George kind of lay it all out to Williams? I mean, you know, back then, George Lucas would sit down to him and say, so uh, Luke goes into the tree and uh -huh. it's not a normal tree. It's a magic tree. Ah. And, you know, <laughs> they could be it came directly from George himself. So it's kind of like a cave of evil. Uh, no, it's a magic tree. <laughs> it's, it's a magic, magic tree. tree. I told you it's a magic tree. Your your weapons, you don't need them. That's that's what he's trying to say. Because it's evil in there. No, it's magic. He took his weapons in there, so it became evil. If he went in there with no weapons, it would have been magic. <laughs> I don't know if that's quite how the conversation went, so don't anybody quote us. Yeah, yeah. Probably not quite quite right, but you know what? Close enough. Close enough, I think. All right, so now I'm going to go ahead and queue up the Wampa Cave, which was your initial question, Jimmy, and we'll talk about synthesizer because there is synthesizer in this track. The Magic Tree cue that we played, I think, is the most obvious example of synthesizer in here, but wanted to uh, play this for you. This is a bit of the Wampa Cave, uh, and listen for the synthesizer. It almost sounds like whistling. Here it is. There, there's the entrance of the synthesizer. It's kind of high whistle. And then it starts to intensify as we hear the Force theme for the first time right here. So it's really intensifying there. Anyway, and so the theme moves on and on and on. But there's another great example of a synthesizer. And you hear it in a few other places in the score, maybe three or four places total. But uh, there is synthesizer in The Empire Strikes Back. Anyway, moving on. Let's talk a little bit about the Force theme, because you do hear it when uh, Luke reaches for his lightsaber. But another mm -hmm. example that I wanted to point out to you, just because I think this is kind of a fun, interesting example, is you hear it when Obi-Wan Kenobi appears to Luke in Hoth in the snow, when he's struggling and he's freezing to death. I just want to play this cue for you here. love most about that that is that it's not the way the force theme is stated because that's pretty straightforward but how he kind of um paints with the orchestra a picture of freezing cold and snow um i just i just love what he does there and um there's something i wanted to point out and it has to do with historically uh what john williams had done at this point so he did star wars right after he did star wars he actually recorded uh close encounters of the third kind and i know between then and and um Empire, he did a couple of other movies. He did a movie called The Fury, I believe. I believe he did Jaws 2. And then he did a little movie called Superman. 
Yes. And what's really interesting to me about what he uses there to kind of paint the cold is it reminds me of when Superman is going to the Fortress of Solitude and he almost quotes himself a little bit. And it's not quite the same, but there's this kind of Krypton melody, which is like, um, right, in that movie. That, uh, if you yes. remember this. Right. And, and you kind of hear the flutes doing that a little bit. In this piece, and it's always since I was a kid kind of reminded me of Superman. I think they were probably both on Showtime in the 80s or something at the same time, or they were running on TV at Thanksgiving. I don't even know, but you hear this kind of, you know, after you get into this uh, this section with the snow, you know, it's freezing cold, you get these flutes here. Luke. Luke. You know, and it just has always reminded me of Superman. Do you kind of hear the connection there a little bit? Oh, I do. I do. And, you know, Williams is coming from, uh, you know, the same source of inspiration for two different films. And that is simply, you know, cold, snowy climbs. And that's what Williams hears when he's considering that environment. That's, That's how he conveys a frosty winter wonderland via music. Boy, I wish you had that clip from Superman, though. That would fit in real nice right there. Hold on. I, I might actually have it. Let me see if I can find it here. If you don't mind. I wanted to end the show with just one piece of music that is is another revelation about The Empire Strikes Back that I had in researching the show, which is that there is a whole theme for two characters that are very known and loved to all Star Wars fans that really is just kind of introduced in this. And it, and it really, uh, I think, has been overlooked by, I know I overlooked it for years, but it is clearly a theme for R2-D2 and C-3PO. Oh, my God. Yeah, we we really don't have themes that we readily associate with those two characters. That's right. We don't. And yet, I have absolute proof, first of all, because it's in liner notes everywhere, and John Williams himself said, oh, I wrote a little theme, and you you can hear it. But it happens again and again and again every time you, you see C-3PO and R2. And in fact, there's even a piece where it's meant to be underscored for with C-3PO and R2, and, and it was cut from the movie, but almost every time you see them, you hear this little piece, and I'll play it for you. The first time you see R2 and, and 3PO, they're arguing about the temperature in Princess Leia's chamber, right? Right, and, yes. And it's, it happens uh, with this music playing underneath. Here it is. This little uh, flute melody. So you may want to ask, well, how do we know that that just isn't underscore? Well, check this out. When you're in the middle of the Battle of Hoth, right, you've got uh, evacuate remaining ground staff, right? That whole thing that happens and they decide they want to evacuate Hoth. And then suddenly you have Han say, no, no, this one goes here, that one goes there, right? And right right after that happens, you see 
3PO talking to R2 as he's lowered into the X-Wing. And then back into the action. Right, so there it is again. You know. Um, Did you ever pick up on that? Never. I mean, obviously, I'm familiar with the, the melody, having seen Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back 500 times. Right. But yet... I never, just like I said, I never really associated it directly with R2 and 3PO. But boy, oh boy, I'll be darned if I'm not going to watch Empire again and really be pay t- close attention. Unfortunately, they get split up. So your opportunities to hear that music don't really happen much past that sequence. But here's the amazing thing. That's not true. And no. I, this, it, it, it's one of those themes that has been right in front of our faces or our ears this entire time. Let me play for you what happens when R2 falls out of the X-Wing and into the water in Dagobah. Check this out, because you're going to hear it again. So, of course, they're looking around, right? Where is, where is R2? Where is he? And that's, of course, when his periscope has popped up, and he's like, R2, that way, Right? So Luke, Luke gets out of there, and then suddenly the, the creature comes after him, and you hear it in more of a minor melody, scary way, right here. As he's being chased by the creature. But isn't that incredible? It's been there the entire time. That really, that really is because we never had music that would be identifiable as a theme for the droids. Now, my question is this. Does yes. that theme ever reappear with 3PO alone on well, the screen? It's funny that you should ask because when Chewie puts 3PO's head on backwards, you hear this. Well, first you start with, this is the end of the deal, where he's like, this deal's getting worse all the time, right? And then you cut back to Chewie working on 3PO, right about here. Here it is. I've got one more example to play for you, Jimmy, and this is kind of the smoking gun behind the droids theme, okay? They are reunited okay. at the end of the film, and they're inside the Millennium Falcon. And this is the moment where they're they're trying to escape Vader. The hyperdrive has been like an ongoing thing in this whole movie, right? The hyperdrive is always failing. And, you know, he thought they fixed it, and uh and Darth Vader asks he asks his men, you know, did you did you uh did you sabotage the hyperdrive? And then they say, yes, of course we did. You know, this is after it's failed, right? And R2 and 3PO have a conversation where R2 reveals that the Cloud City computer told him that the hyperdrive was malfunctioned and R2 repairs it. And in the middle of this chase sequence, you hear the droids theme come in very clearly right all the way up until the end of the movie. Check this out. So this is Vader asking about the hyperdrive on board the executor, right? 
And uh, they say, yes, absolutely, we sabotaged it. No big deal. These, these guys are never getting away, right? And then the, the chase music cuts in. Here we go. Here comes the droid theme. All while R2 and 3 are talking to each other. Pretty crazy, right? Oh, my God. That is the droids theme. We have a droids theme. This is incredible. It's going to be fun to go through the, the next films and the prequels to see if that theme reoccurs in any way, shape, or form. Because it, it seems pretty pronounced here in Empire. It is pretty pronounced. I don't recall it from the other films, but that doesn't mean no. it's not there. And in fact, I still have to go and research this. This is kind of a new, a new revelation, but I will tell you, this is kind of a great way to wrap up the show. I will tell you that that droid theme that I just played you appears 11 times in the movie. It's a substantial hmm. theme a substantial theme to the film. And yet we don't really remember it. We don't readily think of it. And maybe it's because it's just kind of more of a, of a phrase. It's not a fully, fully realized melody, kind of similar to the original Darth Vader's theme that we've talked about, right? Right? It's not quite a, a full theme. I mean, it is a little bit, but it's kind of mischievous and, and, and kind of goofy a little bit, you know, but in a nice way, in a playful way, and totally appropriate. But we just kind of, I think our brain just kind of registers it as simple underscore but it is definitely a theme and it appears almost every time if you go back and watch that Dagobah sequence you will continue to hear it especially on the soundtrack you'll hear it as underscore throughout that whole theme where he's even cleaning off R2 that's really incredible more Star Wars oxygen revelations David I don't know how you do it each and every time but you always bring some new insight to the table that I have never before considered nor acknowledged. So I thank you for that because next time I'm going to be watching Empire, I'm definitely, definitely going to be thinking about the droid scene. Well, awesome. And, you know, all the credit goes to John Williams because the depth is there. I've just been working to uncover it and present it on this show. And um, the pleasure is mine because it really has been a rewarding experience really diving into these movies. And once again, for me... I go back and I listen to this this score and I see and hear this movie in an entirely new way with even more added dimension. And my hope is that these little factoids and these little clips that we're playing would bring that same kind of new appreciation to anyone listening to this show. And I cannot wait to dive into more. Absolutely. And that's what we'll be doing as Star Wars Oxygen continues on the Rebel Force Radio Network. You can look for us monthly. We might not always be there, but we'll try. <laughs> Actually, I think we did pretty good this time. You know what really is kind of held up uh, two of our shows, Oxygen and Influences, was the, the fact that we were releasing Clone Wars roundtables. Clone Wars The Classified did return, and so that did uh, take up one spot a week in our release schedule. So that kind of pushed a few things back. We'll have it all ironed out by the time Star Wars Rebels debuts, I hope, knock on wood. 
or no, I should say knock on wood blocks because this is a, this is a music show. So let's nice. keep it all musical <laughs> even as we sign off. But David, once again, what a tremendous job. I look forward to getting back to, together with you next time on Star Wars Oxygen so we can dig even deeper into the music of Vampire Strikes Back because I know that there's some music that happened out there on the Battle Plains of Hoth that you like to talk about. And uh, there's that carbon freezing chamber that I think also might have uh, delivered some really cool little musical gems. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about that and much more as Star Wars Oxygen continues our look, or I should say listen, into the music of Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back as composed by John Williams. That's right. So for... Yes. So, David, thank you again. Um, look, I, I look forward to next time. Yes, as do I. Thank you so much. We're going to dive into some of the secondary themes, a lot of just uh, hidden gems, kind of like the droids theme that we will unearth, uh, a lot of sequences, as Jimmy talked about, that are just iconic musical sequences, very similar to the Yoda one that we played. And of course, I want to talk about Hoth. I want to talk about all of Hoth, and I want to talk about in a couple of future episodes here, all of the music that was cut, that was written but cut, and talk about the whole Hoth sequence in general, because it gets incredibly complex for you soundtrack listeners to follow. We'll get to that and so much more. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at, at David W. Collins. So happy to be here, Jimmy. Thank you so much uh, for chatting with me about this stuff. And we'll talk to you soon. Join us again next month for Star Wars Oxygen. And be sure to enjoy all the programming on the Rebel Force Radio Network. This is a great time for Star Wars. And we're so happy to be along on this ride with you all. So for David W. Collins, I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. <laughs>